Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Again, good beautiful day. Hey, we'll blink and it will be November, December, January. So just keep enjoying yourself. Carol, you got your Christmas shopping done? Do you really? <laughs> Carol's, y'all pray that Carol gets her birthday shopping done for all those, those families start getting bigger. You know what? Hey, don't make it worth about the prep. Just make it about time together. Realizing how important. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday who drives every day to see their, their parent that's in a nursing home. And I said, you're never going to regret that. But I said, the many patients that I know that don't have anybody to come see them, I know one thing. They're going to regret the time that they don't have once that time comes. Because you think, you know, we got time, we have time. We don't have time. So take that time to spend with family members if there's something not prohibiting that. Because, listen, we're all on limited time. Let that one we shared about during prayer requests that, that passed away yesterday be a reminder. You know, we're not promised tomorrow. And don't think for a second, doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, we are all on borrowed time. So I pray tonight, even minister to those in the pews that are with you every week that you don't realize, hey, they missed a time or two. Check on them. Let them know that you care about them. I know that that has a huge impact on people. I do it to the best of my ability in knowing when somebody's not here, but I can't be the one that remembers everybody all the time. So all of us today collectively are able to keep in mind I tonight can recognize a few people that usually are here aren't here. A couple of them sit over that way. So make sure that you take your phone when you get out of here and say, hey, missed you, are you okay? Just so people know that, that you care about them. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn to Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah chapter 29. We'll look at two verses tonight, verses 13 and 14. I know I've preached out of this text a time or two. I don't even remember what the message was about, but God laid this on my heart tonight. It's a message titled, Words or Worship? Words or Worship? And it really deals with something that I've actually been dealing with uh, some people that I've been ministering to and, and counseling with about the battle of things that most likely they saw or dealt with growing up. Being in either inauthentic or in legalistic-based churches where they were taught, and I deal with this a lot with you, where you end up learning to be religious. I actually think, in many cases, it's better if you don't have any church background growing up than to have one where you either were in legalism or a rules-based, you know, quote-unquote picture of what it means to be a Christian because, honestly, detoxing from that can be a a years, in some case, decade-long uh, proposition because there's so much a lot of times that has to be done, and the big one is battling the mindset of not reverting back because what we've been trained to do, we tend to fall back into. It, it tends to be our default, just like it's your work. You know, think about law enforcement. What you do is what you were trained to do. The way you respond to situations is the way that they trained you to so that during very stressful crisis inducing situations 
you revert back automatically to the training. That is the same thing that happens to us as either Christians or people who are raised in spiritual environments. It's so difficult to break bad habits. So tonight, this is really a, a, a wake-up call, so to speak, or a reaffirmation. Maybe tonight you're not living in a words-based walk with Christ where it's about words, not about worship, not about the heart. And maybe tonight this is just the affirmation from God that, hey, thank you, Lord, that I've not been caught ever in that legalistic mindset. Maybe there'll be someone here tonight that is reminded that you grew up like that, and it might even bring some hard, some hard emotions back to the surface. I would encourage you to deal with those because if you don't deal with those, did anybody know what uh, hurt turned outward is? Anger. A lot of times when somebody responds in anger to you, that is not just the emotion of anger. What that is many times is hurt that is now being turned externally and needing to be let out. So it's really important to deal with these things that we have growing up. These, I call it the basket, our baskets that we go. You know, you hear me reference that. And every time in life, from the very time that your mother picks you up the first time, they're imparting something into your basket. Mom was tender. Mom was compassionate. Mom was loving. That is putting good things because it's on you to see the first picture of Christ as that ministering spirit. If you were abandoned, guess what happens? Your first thought is, God's never going to hang out with me. He's going to abandon me one day. People fight these mindsets and these things that are a result of things that we dealt with as children. And the great thing about it, though, spiritually speaking, we can get victory. We can get forgiveness. We can get deliverance. You know that we can get deliverance from generational soul ties. Generational that we tell the sins of the father carried on to the third and fourth generation. So maybe your second generation or potentially third generation experiencing and tonight. You don't even realize it, but now tonight God helps you realize that you are experiencing the ramifications of something two generations up. What are you going to do with that tonight? Well, you have the opportunity because you have a pastor that that readily recognizes that. I have those sheets in my office that I can print you a copy off of. They're, they're generational deliverance worksheet sets and what they are meant to do, they're fashioned completely out of God's word. Scripture is rife all through the whole thing. It goes through and shows where a lot of these attitudes and actions come from, but also the ramifications or the issues that arise from those. And you have the choice. I wanna go through that and I wanna break these or you can keep doing the same thing that you've been doing expecting a different outcome and all you're doing is engaging in an act of truly pure insanity so i hope tonight whatever that god is working with you in and maybe tonight's just the encouragement for you maybe tonight's the conviction for you that you've not been walking in a worship and a heart-based walk with christ but you've been living under rules or words that god would set you free tonight through his word which i know he will hope you found isaiah 29 Again, just two verses, 13 and 14. And if you're able physically, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> the Lord said, these people approach me with their speeches to honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me and human rules direct their worship of me. 
Therefore, I will again confound these people with wonder after wonder. The wisdom of their wise will vanish, and the perception of their perceptive will be hidden. Father, thank you tonight for your word. Lord, we give you full and free reign. Have your way in this midst. Father, we know we cannot change hearts. We are not the ones that do the work. We know that you are. And God, we give everything to you tonight. And we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So again, first part of verse 13, the Lord said, so we got God speaking, the Lord said that these people approach me with their speeches to honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me. First thing that I want to share with you tonight comes from that first part of verse 13, and it's this, are you just speaking words or are you, read, consumed with a heart of worship? One of the dangers of being raised in Christian homes is you learn, I call it Christian speak. Christian speak is when somebody says something, you know how to respond like a good Christian kid. The sad thing is, if you've been taught Christian speak and not an authentic walk with Jesus Christ, friends, what are we dealing with? We're dealing with Pharisees. Someone who knows how to speak it but's not living, they don't know. Maybe they don't even recognize it. Because what happens is you become conditioned. That's why I reiterate continually the reality of followers of Christ not living in a conditioned spiritual state, but in an authentic walk with Jesus Christ, daily conforming into his likeness. And a lot of times, what do we have to do? We have to break the shell of everything that we believe and we see. Everything from the fact that, oh no, they've got choir members up there without choir robes on. God forbid, there's a time in my life that would have been said at churches because you don't stand in a choir without a choir robe on and you don't do it without one of those, I don't even know what those things are called, but the white things that go up around the neck, go down the back, you know, and everybody looks the same and it's just so beautiful and polished. But we fall into that stuff and you know, it... Listen, oh, we don't have the Baptist hymnal here. Oh, Lord, help us. We are so far outside of your will. Or, you know, we haven't had a church supper where people have brought a fellowship meal in, in each quarter. And these are things that are, I know that that was in the, I know that was on Mount Sinai somewhere. But yet, sadly, we laugh. We think about that as we see it. And we go, you know, that, yeah, right. No, this is stuff that actually happens. Because it's one thing to have words that speak, Christians speak, I call it, God speak. But it's another thing to have, as a matter of fact, uh, Revelation, was it chapter 1, church at Ephesus? Huh? What is, what is it, church? Hey, see the height from which you've fallen? Why was he speaking to the church at Ephesus? They were doing everything right. As a matter of fact, it's, it's interesting because as God addresses them, he addresses them by first commending the works of their hands. Look what you've done. You did, you've done all this. You've done all this. But I hold this against you. You have lost your first love. They had the works that looked like the heart was where it should have been, but guess what? The hearts were far from him. 
What does it say? Look and see the height from which you have fallen. Do the things you did at first. And remember what he's referencing is when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your body, and your strength, the works follow. And by the way, they're not compelled by someone going, oh, I need to figure out what Christian religious works I need to do today so that the world believes I'm a Christian. No. It is the outflow of the Holy Spirit's work in your heart and life is a desire to serve as a member, as a productive follower of Christ, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, yielded to the Holy Spirit, and the outflow of your life is one wherewith you live as a living sacrifice, desiring to manifest to be the hands and feet of Jesus and a reflection of God's glory. That's what happens when it's not words and it becomes a life that is an act of worship. Two completely opposite universes in comparison. But I have seen so much of that. I've seen so much of it, and it's one of the reasons that God's given me such a heavy burden to make sure that I continually reiterate that because it is so easy to follow and fall into a works-based theology. Even knowing truth, it's so, it's so easy. Why? Because it's simple. You just get in this, this rut of this habitual pattern of things, and a lot of times what can happen, the heart, we can get out not reading the Bible and all of these things, and well, what were you doing? We're just, you know, how many people in here are consistent? You know, you get up in the Bible, you get up and you read your Bible. If, you know, you go to, you go to church, and hey, at my house, I don't say, uh, going to church tonight? And it was never a, never a question in my house, ever, in the entire time I lived with my family not ever one time did someone say, hey, are we going to church today? Because it wasn't, even a, it wasn't even a question. There was not the question, are we going to church today? We got up on Sunday morning, and it was, you were dressed, you were getting ready to stand there, and let's say my parents didn't want to go, we just stood there going, hey, what's wrong? Because that was naturally what we did, but it's easy when you've been raised like that to get up on Sunday morning, in a sense, in autopilot, not recognizing that, hey, where's the heart? Where's the passion? Where's the motivation? By the way, let's every once in a while do a checkup from the neck up. Why are we doing this in your own self and in my own self? Why are we doing this? Why did we get out tonight on a perfectly decent Wednesday afternoon and prepare to come to worship? Why do we do that? Well, it's just because oh, my grandparents did it. My mother and my father did it. We just do that. That's why we do it. No, I hope not. I hope you did it because Christ Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave. He loves you. He loves me. He imparted the Holy Spirit to us when we came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And what greater blessing can we have than to come together to assemble corporately as the body of Christ to lift up a sacrifice of worship and praise and be challenged in God's word? We don't get anything for it. We're doing this because God gave everything for us. How could we not do this? Oh, might I reference Hebrews 10.25? I mean, no reason to, to not mention the thing that commands us to. Do not forsake the assembling as some are in the manner of doing. But spur one another on to love and good deeds as you what? See the day approaching. What's the day? Let's just, we got two places. One, that you or I are going to be graveyard dead. Okay, that's when you go 10-7 at a service, right? Then there's the other one of Christ's return. Guess what? 
we are all going to know whether we die naturally in this life or whether the, however Christ works, it, whether it's the pre-trib and all those things, wh- however it happens, we're going to all know at the same time. Isn't that exciting? And that's going to either be an incredibly joyous experience for you or it will be marked by a horror that cannot be imagined. Because Scripture talks about it. It talks about many will come on that day and say, did we not cast out demons and heal the sick and raise the dead? There will be a lot of religious people that will stand before God one day and hear, depart from me. That is a scary to me. It is not a scary. This is, that's a, by the way, that's way, way too easy of a word to have said. That is a horrifying reality in my thought process. That someone would sit under solid doctrinal teaching and never come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. How can that happen? Scripture talks about being deceived. And that's a prayer. I hope your prayer is likewise. God, do not allow me to be deceived. God, do not allow me to fall weak, to fall out. God, help me finish strong. Let me run the race to completion, as Scripture says. Scripture says, he who endures till the end. Why? Because we do not collect a prize for finishing a race that we don't finish. It's not about getting in a race and then sitting and cheerleading a race. It is about getting in the race and running the race faithfully to completion. It is about finishing the work that God has in store for us. God did not save us merely to let us sit here and bob around as he watches us be tortured by the effects of sin as God sits back as some individual that just loves watching people suffer. No, that's not God's love and his God's will. God loves us immensely. But God has work for us because we are his workmanship, what created in Christ Jesus. And then we know what the challenge and the calling is to do good works. It's to work, to serve, to honor, to glorify, and to advance the kingdom work so that people come to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior And they are snatched from the realm of the enemy who desires to snatch everything good, righteous, and holy from them. He desires to sell them a lie, not only the lost, but also professed believers. He doesn't want us effective in kingdom work. He doesn't want us to be a testimony of the the regenerative working of Christ in and through us. He doesn't want us repenting and conforming into the law. No, he disdains that. Because that is an effective minister of the gospel who is living out the, the, the call of a disciple. And they're going to have a, an, an amazing impact for the kingdom. And that's what God's call is for us. So we're in this battle every day to fight the enemy, keeping us helpless and hopeless in the salvation that we have in Christ. And he wants us not sensitive to the Spirit's conviction. He doesn't want us sensitive of the Spirit's calling. No. He wants us what? Apathetic, overfed, unconcerned, and indifferent. He wants us overwhelmed with foolish trivialities that have no eternal value as we squander time that we will never get back. Then the second part of 13. So it says, you know, the Lord, these people approach me with their speeches. They honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me. Here we go now. And human rules direct their worship of me. The second thing I want to share with you tonight is this. Do rules govern your worship or a relationship with Jesus Christ? 
the rules govern your worship, your heart. By the way, our life is an act of worship. And often we think, you know, oh, well, okay, I'm not singing right now, so that, and worship time's over. No, no. <laughs> our entire life is an act of worship before the Lord. I saw I was in the woods today for a while, and I was listening to birds. And I was thinking to myself, as those birds were chirping, so beautiful, you know what they were doing? They were praising the Lord. They don't know how to start singing Amazing Grace or anything, but guess what? The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of the earth, the work of his hands. So those birds, as they are chirping, my little hummingbirds have transitioned their ministry from Middle Tennessee ministry to South American ministry. They're doing exactly what God has ordained them to do in his creative genius. No matter how depressing it might be for me because my little friends are gone until next spring. I got one, I'm a little shorty, I call him Shorty, he's a guard. Shorty sits on this little stick that's right on, because I have two, I have cedar posts that I cut out that are on the porch rail, and this little piece, is, I left a little piece of twig on there. Shorty comes and guards. So Shorty is on a mission. Shorty is guarding somewhere in South America, the same place that Shorty goes every winter. He goes down there, and I bet you $100, he's guarding the ladies making sure they can eat, chasing everything off. He's got a foul attitude. He's extremely protective. But Shorty's doing everything in word or deed to the glory of God, as God has preordained him to do. Amen? And then everything that God does, just look at creation. I was having a conversation with someone today. As we were headed back out of town, I was, it was a, past the place where a woman who was an avowed atheist had died in a wreck many years ago. And I said, you know, it's so sad that this person that was such an anti-Christ, anti-God, that they, they, uh, they found the truth out about right here. And they then, this is a much younger person, says, you know, I don't know how in the world anybody cannot just walk in the woods, spend a little time looking at everything and believe there's no God. And that's, that's the truth. Because scripture says the heavens declare the glory and the, the earth, the work of his hands. Man, God is good. You want a testimony of God's hand at work? Just go out tomorrow and sit in a, just get yourself a lawn chair or plop yourself if you can get up off the ground, on the ground, and just sit out there for an hour in this beauty of God's creation and sit out there and let God's creation testify to his creative genius, to his creative hand. Don't sit back and live a words-based existence as a follower of Jesus Christ. Categorically reject that. Reject everything it means to be religious. And I mean that. Reject everything to do with religion because if you do, you will embrace a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what it is to know Jesus, to know God, to walk with him. It doesn't have anything to do with religion. It, traditions are fine. That's great. But you better understand the, the perspective that traditions need to be held in. Because Scripture actually clearly talks about how in the end time, there'd be all these things that would be saddled on you. Be very careful. Because it's a danger when you and I start thinking that these religious things we're doing, and a lot of times we don't even find them in Scripture. Well, why do you do them? Well, because they've always done those. We just always do this. And, you know, we, we light the smoke and the bells and this, and we do this because this is God told us to. Where did he tell you to? Why are you doing what we're doing today? Are we doing it because Scripture says, or are we doing it because someone told us to? 
Are we doing it because the Holy Spirit affirms his word as you're seeking God's word and God's truth? Or are you living in words and actions that someone else told you about or that have come to have special meaning to you because of someone that you loved very much? I have a lot of people that I love very much that, that have shared and talked a lot and modeled things for me. You know that there's people that I respected and loved a lot growing up that I've abandoned all the things that they had patterned me and taught me because I ended up, as I got on my face before God and in scripture, I saw that the things that they had foundationally taught me were not scriptural. Even though they weren't as where you'd see it and think they're bad, but they weren't scriptural. They weren't scriptural. So is your life formed around the truth of God's word or is it governed by rules of man or things man has established? And it's not, we can do some of those things. It's not, as long as they stay in the proper perspective, don't apply them as scriptural if they're not scriptural, amen? I would even assure you to make a special side note and say, you know, we love to do this, but please understand, this is not something that we got from Scripture. This is a tradition that we do. And I want to keep it, this is an avenue with which we magnify God. It's an act that we use to magnify the Lord, His power, whatever it might be. But I just don't want anybody, because that's the danger. It's like the man that said to me one time, hey, are you going to church tomorrow? He says, no, I'm going to the lake. Why are you going? This is a true story. The man said this to me. I said, why are you going to the lake? He said, you know, the Bible says, teach a man to fish or give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, feed him for life. And I said, Bible verse? He said, yes, that Bible verse. I said, where is it at? Because I really would like to see that. He said it, and this is honestly word for word. He said this to me. It's somewhere in the middle. I knew because at that point I'd been through the scripture about four or five plus times. Me being a person that enjoys fishing, though I don't have the time to do it, if I would have found a verse in the scripture that said that, friends, I'd still be at the lake. But this young man believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was a verse, and as a 20, almost 30-year-old man at that point, he was living out the verse that he believed, scripture verse. That's why we've got to be careful because there's a danger that we end up following words, that we follow human traditions as opposed to a life and a lifestyle of worship, that worship comes from the heart. Worship is an act of glorifying, honoring, and living for the Lord, and words is that danger right there. These people approach me with their speeches to honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me. Where's your heart? You find your heart dwelling in the presence of God and the extension of that is your hands work and your mouth and your heart. Or do you find yourself living on words and you are exactly what that scripture says right there. Hearts are far from, I hope that's not the case. But then we'll finish up with verse 14. Therefore, I will again confound these people with wonder after wonder. The wisdom of their wise will vanish, and the perception of their perceptive will be hidden. Third and final thing I want to share with you tonight is this. Let God's wonderful wisdom confound the worldly wise. 
You let the wisdom of God confound the worlds. I don't care if you have to. Sometimes we have to go through, and we have to literally go through everything we've been taught in our entire lives, one thing at a time, to see if what you've been doing and how you've been worshiping is biblical and scriptural. There's actually, not only is there nothing wrong with that, that has the greatest of wisdom in that process itself because I don't care who you are. I hope there's no one in here today that would say, well, you know what? If I'm doing things that aren't biblical and scriptural, but I saw those from my parents, I'm going to keep doing them no matter what. Do you want it because it's biblical and it's scriptural? Or do you want it because you care about the human traditions that have passed down? I hope you're not here tonight because you care about human traditions. I hope tonight your number one thing, human traditions aren't bad. Again, what do I say? I'm clarifying this. You don't think I'm saying human traditions are bad. They're not. But my thing about it is, in the proper perspective, everything needs to have its place. We don't need to take things when we like to say this, right? Well, oh, I, I, I found this awesome Bible study book. And as a matter of fact, I get so much out of it now. And it's, it's at, you know, there's Bible verses in there. So I've stopped reading the Bible in the morning because it's so much easier for me to read this. And stop. Don't do it. Don't take what someone else has been shared by God as the revelation to them and as God has grown them and believe that that's the application and replacement for your scriptural time with him. That's not right. Get in God's word, number one and first, every single day. Let God speak to you. You spend all the time that you can possibly spend in God's word. And if you have time later on, to God be the glory. Read those Bibles. Enjoy them. Make sure they're scriptural. Make sure they're biblical. But don't hinder the ability for God to speak to you. That's God's revelation to somebody else. At the place they were in life dealing with the things that they were dealing with in life. But you don't even know how many times I have heard people say, when I'm saying, oh man, I just had this Bible study, now I'm reading it. Oh good, you're still reading your Bible, aren't you? Well, no, I've been doing this, but it's, I'm just getting so much more out. Whoa, so much more out of man's than you are God's. That right there is straight from the lungs of hell, church. I'm not joking. That's deception at its finest. Because what do I share with you all the time? Well, there can't be nothing wrong with something like that because you're just wanting to grow greater. No, you're substituting man's work for God's work. Because flat and plain and simply, is a Bible study God's work? You know, God shared that with somebody, but then the man did that, didn't they? God may have encouraged them to do that and put that out to encourage them and to challenge them. But still, church, this is in everything, e pluribus unum. Everything, everyone, one. It's number one. It's in all things preeminent. Must be. It has to be. This is why our convention's in a mess right now. And I just call it for what it is. Because they've had too many Bible studies. They've had too many books. They've had too many ways to get the church back from the mess that's happened. And they didn't point everybody to this. They wanted to find something else that spoke clearer to somebody. There's nothing that speaks clearer than God's word. Nothing. And if anybody tells you that, you better go in the, the other direction as fast as you can. Because you're in danger. And listen... Don't forget what I'm telling you because let's say tonight I die, tomorrow I die. Don't think that every person you put in a pulpit like this is going to beat 
on the importance of Scripture like I do, please understand that because I have dear friends that when I say that to them, I hadn't thought about it, hadn't been doing that. This is something that has to be continually reiterated because it's one of the greatest deceptions that have literally has come again from the lungs of hell is this pulling away of churches. I don't think they do it purposely. I don't think they're doing it with malice of forethought. I think it's being done because the enemy's really good at getting us deceived and getting us off course. He doesn't want us in the Bible. So it's that incremental thing that we slowly move away and we get into that Bible study or that Bible study and maybe we did a church Bible study, right? And because it was so awesome, you ended up just taking that and running with it and slowly but surely, the muting of God's word occurred somewhere along the way, but we've been so, we felt so fulfilled and righteous in the process. The problem is one day you wake up and you realize that you're a million miles away from the Lord because you walked away from him willingly even though you didn't mean to you don't know what God's saying to you you wouldn't have a clue if it smacks you in the mouth because you haven't heard from him you've heard from somebody else there's been verses inter, inter, interlinked and interwoven in their material can't that be wonderful nothing can be a substitution for God's word and don't ever forget that let God's wonderful wisdom confound the worldly lies in your life. I'd almost encourage you to write that down and put it, not only that life application principle, but go in there and write on your mirror and lipstick if you have to, or put it with something that won't go away. Never let anything take the place of God's word alone being number one in my prayer time, my Bible study time, and every time. And the reason I say that is, we're sitting here right now and somebody's going, there's no way I'd ever forget that. Oh, oh, don't say that. You would be astounded at the number of pastors that have no private Bible time reading apart from their studying for Scripture messages. They're in Scripture for messages you would be astounded at statistics of pastors that are not. Are you ready? Last time it was almost over 80, almost 90%. That did not open the Bible in the morning and open it and read that and then start their study for the messages they're doing. Because why? Think about it. Wait, I'm, I'm in all this scripture that I'm doing for the Bible. It's the same thing. No, it's not. It's not. Oh, I'm just consolidating my time. I want to be more... No. That song I shared with you from Laurel Harris, I miss my time with you. God singing that basically. Those moments together. I want to be with you each day and it hurts me when you say you're too busy, busy trying to serve me, but how can you serve me when your spirit's empty? I hope somebody at least listened to that song. It's a great song. Laurel Harris, I miss my time with you. You can listen to it on YouTube for free. God desires to spend time with us. There's nothing else that'll ever give you what time in God's presence will give you. God's presence is the only place that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 can come from. God cannot direct you if we're not in his word. Oh, well, I've been reading that, but no, stop it. God can use that in addition to your Bible study, but don't take the Bible study and place it in the place that God's word, ready, deserves to be.
must be. You don't have a clear direction in life right now and you've not been in God's word, I, can, I assure you right now, there's one problem. It's because you've told your dad to keep his mouth shut. You don't like that. I mean, that's a, I like to think of it like, I don't care what you like to think, but as let's just talk about, let's just be real, amen? If you have cancer and you go to the doctor, you want them to say, well, you're less than healthy right now. You want them to say that? Or do you want them to say, listen, you're battling cancer and you have six months to live, you better get your affairs in order. Or do you want the person that says, hey, you're just less than healthy, but there's hope. No, I want truth. That's the reason that I want the truth of God's word because the word speaks of the truth of my condition, whatever it might be, good, bad, or ugly, right? No matter how bad the condition might be in my life, when we get in God's word, the, hmm, the blinders are taken off. It can't happen if we're not faithfully allowing the word of God to speak to our hearts so that we can hear the heart of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. Challenge, Father, to not merely have words that are spiritual and be spiritual people. But God, we are to be people that have been transformed. Father, we are people that should live a heart and heart and lifestyle of worship. Father, it can only happen when we live in obedience, Lord, running from the danger of being religious. Father, thank you so much for the work of, of the Son, Jesus Christ, in dying for us paying a price we could never pay, rising again from the grave three days later, and right now triumphantly seated at your right hand. Father, thank you that because of the work of Christ and that substitutionary atonement, tonight we're able to come boldly into your presence. Father, thank you. God, thank you tonight, Lord, that you know exactly where we're at. Each and every person in this building, each one watching online tonight, and those who will watch it in the years to come. Father, we pray an anointing, God, on this message. Lord, every word that's spoken, Father, your word in our lives, in the place it has. God, I pray in a mighty way that during this invitation tonight, ones that need to be set free, ones that need to take uh, accusations of the enemy, Lord, those falsities that come and the false belief systems that, that we battle with at times, Lord, let all of those be taken captive to your will tonight. Lord, let during this invitation, anything that needs to be dealt with, Father, let us, in, in your word, your power, your strength, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, take all of those things captive for the kingdom. Repent of what needs to be repented of. Commit to whatever it is, Lord, that needs to be committed to in our lives so that we can leave here tonight in the middle of your desire, your purpose, plan, and will for our life. Father, if there's one here or watching online tonight that does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray tonight will be the night that they draw that line in the sand, repent of their sin, and ask you to be their Savior and the Lord of their life. God, I thank you so much for your faithfulness to us, Lord, but most of all for the blood of Jesus that sets us free. We commit all this to you, Lord, and we ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners, we're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin, 
Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you want to live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.